0: Thank you ladies, appreciate that, God is good to us, man, I'll tell you what, we sure don't deserve it, but he has been good to us, Want do turn to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse number 17, and 18 is where we are tonight, now, it's interesting, I want to ask you this question, and again, I know the, I know the spiritual answer we give, but, uh, I want us to be honest with ourselves. Don't raise your hand. If I were to ask you, would you consider God's word a gift? Think about that for a minute. Is God's word a gift? I say, well, I don't know if I'd consider it a gift. Well, sure it is, right? And in the midst of James chapter 1, so the first 16 verses or so, he's laying out some truths that are not easy. And uh, the Bible said "If in verse uh, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Uh, let him ask in faith. Uh, then it goes on to talk about our trials. And let no man say in verse 13, uh, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man when, uh, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed and then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, in verse 16, here's what he says: Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's interesting to me. It's almost like he's, he's contrasting these Bible truths, and these tell us not to err. In other words, we cannot depend on our intellect, our feelings, what we think. We can't depend on what others tell us. Uh, but he says, do not err. In other words, do not be an error in how you think about these things. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Now notice what he said, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So right there, he's, he's laying out the consistency and constancy of God so that if God says it in his word, then therefore it must always be true. And if he says it in his word, then his word must always be true. Now, that's not the day we live in, right? Truth is variable in the day we live in. Something may be true today and may not be true tomorrow. And now we've even got to the point where we say, well, now you have your own truth, right? You can carry what you think is true, and no one can tell you it's not true. But the Bible's telling us that God is the giver of good gifts, and in him there's no variableness, there's no changing, that he's constant. And then in verse number 17, in verse number 18, the Bible said of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. Very important. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we realize that, that in the word of God, That God gives us, here's a few things. Number one, you don't have to question who God is, right? You say, well, I think God is this, and I think he's this way, and I think his character is this. Well, he tells us in his word who he is. And so we may all have our opinions of what we want God to be, but God reveals to us in the word of God who he is. And also, we don't have to question what God wants, A lot of times we'll say, well, I think God would have me to do this, or God wants this, or I think he is okay with this. Well, no, he tells us in his word very clearly what he wants, what he doesn't want. Also, we don't have to question what is good for us. God tells us in his word what is good for us. Now, whether or not we obey it, whether or not we believe it's a whole different thing, but God is laying out for us a few truths. First of all, who he is, his character, He's also telling us uh, uh, what we're to believe or, or what he wants us to know, right? And then he lays out for us what is good for us. And so when we, if we'll just get that, and people say all the time, "So, well, I don't understand a lot of the Bible. Well, it's not the parts that we don't understand that bothers me. It's the parts that we do understand that we won't obey. If we won't obey what we do understand, why will God reveal to us the things we don't understand? And so when we look at... God's Word, I want us to look at it as a gift, right? And think about it, we don't often think of that, Brother Johnny, because many of us have more than one copy of the Word of God in our possession, right, we have it on our our digital devices. We have multiple copies, probably in your house and I mean, how many times have you seen somebody throw it up in the back window, and the only time they pick it up is when they go into church, and the the, the uh, spina or the the covers folded back, and the spine 's broken in half and, and we don 't treat it like a gift. If we thought it was a gift we 'd spend more time in it right If we knew it was the treasure of God, if we knew it was the revelation of God to us then we'd want to, and we love God, we'd want to spend more time in it, right? We would value the gift that God has given us. And I, I thought about this tonight, that, you know, how, if you think about this, and it's probably not as prevalent now as maybe days past, but uh, there was a time when you got a gift from someone uh, that it was special, right? And, and oftentimes the most special gifts may not necessarily be uh, the most uh, commercial gifts, I think of things that uh, Miss Ellen has given me over the years. That uh, I've got a, 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 a file in my drawer, in my filing cabinet of, of cards that people have sent me or letters they have written me. And, and I've got things that she has given me and the kids have made me. Those are valuable. They may not have cost a whole lot, but they were gifts that meant something to me. And so when we look at the Word of God, if we'll look at it as a gift of God, it will change the way we treat it and the way we react, that we react to it. And so James moves to the Christian and his Bible, and he says here that that uh, in every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So if this Bible is from above, which it is, it is inspired by God. It is pinned down by men, but it is written by God. I thought about this. Think about this for a moment. When when God when when uh, Moses went up on the mountain, God gave the law. The Bible said that he he wrote it. With his finger. And I want you to think of the, the, the Bible, the copy of the word of God you've got in your hand, the same way. That God, God breathed that. He, he spoke that to the writer. And now the writer may have penned it down but it is God's Word. And so if you and I will look at it as the gift that God gives us, that it came down from heaven, and I know ultimately we're looking at the, the Lord Jesus Christ, but Jesus said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He is the Word. And so Jesus is the best gift and provides the gift of salvation. Matter of fact, He is salvation. And how many of us view God's Word as a gift? So when you think of this, when you get up in the morning and and say, uh, Satan's trying to convince you that you don't need the word of God. I want you to think about it as God's gift to you, that God loved you enough and loved me enough to reveal to us the very things that he wants us to know about, our, about him. He even tells us what he wants us to know about ourselves, right? Think about we say, well, uh, you know, uh, God knows my heart. He sure does, right? He said it's deceitful, it's wicked, right? So he, he reveals to us what he wants us to know about ourselves. So if we view God's word as a gift, it will change how we react to it and value it. So when we look at the first 15 verses and we look at that and we'll say, I, I, you know, I don't understand this and I can't, I can't comprehend how God would expect us in a, trial, a world of trial and tribulation, how he would expect us to live for him. Well, he's telling us right there. He understands in the first 15 verses that we'll face trial and tribulation. And he tells us that if we lack wisdom, right, that we're to ask him, that we're to have faith. Amen. And then in verse 16, he tells us don't err, right? There, right. There's, listen, there's a lot of error going on in the world today. Now, you may not like this, but I'm going to say it. You can disagree with me if you want to. This, uh, this Super Bowl ad everybody's uh, up in the air about, about, you know, he gets us. Man, that, I'm going to tell you right now, that's trash. Right. Right. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with uh, people washing each other's feet. That's not what it's about. Amen. It was about humanizing Jesus Christ to say that he's okay with us and he gets us and understands our frailty and that he's okay with our sin. He does understand our sin, but you remember the woman at the well, he said, go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. So we have to be careful because what the world will try to do is try to uh, dilute the holiness of God and tell us, listen, uh, what you need to do now, Jesus would wash everybody's feet. Well, uh, maybe so, but may I say this? The Bible said he came to call uh, sinners to, to repentance, right? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, is, he came to save people, That's right. not just accept sin. Amen. And, and so if we, here's my point, if we don't understand the word of God, that plays on our emotions, and we'll say, "Huh, well, that's a pretty good commercial, right?" I mean, hey, it, he's talking about accepting people, right? Well, yeah, but if you'll notice in the commercial, that was only certain people that were accepted, or were, you didn't see no uh, uh, hillbilly from uh, Alabama somebody washing their feet, did you? All that was political stuff. We're talking about a God that will save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord so if we don't get our doctrine from the Word of God, what happens is pop culture determines what our doctrine is right. and plays on our heartstrings. So, so listen, before you get all tore up, I can see some of you's face now. Well, preacher, I just don't agree with you. Well, don't agree with me. But I do know this, that, that when Jesus impacts someone's life, they turn from sin. So what is this gift of God's Word? Well, first of all, number one, it brings divine light. Verse 17 said, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights." So notice here, it tells us, first of all, the nature of the gifts of God. Anything good in us comes from God. Matter of fact, remember what Paul said? He said, In me and my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. The only thing good in me is, is the Holy Spirit of God. The only good thing in me is is salvation that God has provided for me. And the only thing that we can understand is he gives only good gifts. May I say this tonight? Salvation is good. Amen. It is good. Life is good. And so how much more shall your father which is in heaven, give good unto them that ask. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. He said, listen, Dad, you, you earthly dads who are wicked, you don't, listen, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, right? You, if they were to ask one thing, you wouldn't give them something evil. If they ask of good things, you don't give them evil things. Well, he's saying your Father in heaven uh, gives good gifts, right? And so if, if God gives us salvation, I want to tell you this. The Word of God is good. Amen. Amen. And so tonight, why is it good? Because God is good. And He's good not because He does good. His nature is good and He does good because He is good. got to be careful because a lot of times we get things mixed up. People say, well, He's a sinner because He sins. No, He sins because He's a sinner. Amen, right? And God is good not because He does good. God is good and because He is good, He does good. Hallelujah. So God is the source of all good things. Every good thing in your life, God's the source of. Amen. So the nature of his gifts reflect who he is. He can do nothing but give good gifts. Why? Because he's good. Amen. Hey, the church is good. I didn't say we're good. The church, why? because God gave it to us. The word of God is good because God gave it to us. And so it's the nature of the gifts is determined by the nature of the giver. So notice what he said in verse 17. For every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, it with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Well, what does that tell us? That First of all, he is unchallengeable because he's the Father of lights. Didn't say he was... He, didn't say he provided light. said he's the father of it, right? He, he, why is it? Because he is light. He provides light because he is light. He's the father of lights. Amen. So, so not only that is he unchallengeable, he's unchanged. You know, here's the thing. You, you don't have to defend God. You don't have to defend him. He can take care of himself. You have to witness for him. You have to tell others about him. But God will take, he's going to set everything in order. Why? Because he's all powerful. He's unchallengeable. Right? When Satan came up against him and, and, uh, and tried, to, tried to be like him, he said he would not share his glory and he cast not only him but a third part of the angels out. So I'm not worried about the 2024 election or the, the, the 2028 election if God doesn't come. Why? Because he's unchallengeable. That's right. My faith in him is not determined by who's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I promise you that. So, so he's unchallengeable but he is unchangeable. The Bible said in him is no variableness. If he's ever been a certain way, he'll always be a certain way. So so when people say, well, in the Old Testament, he was a God of wrath. In the New Testament, he's a God of mercy. No, he's always been a God of mercy, and he's always been a God of wrath. And he always will be a God of wrath, and he'll always be a God of mercy. The Old Testament, over and over, the Bible talks about the mercy of God, right? Right? You think about Noah. Noah what? Found grace. Hallelujah. I'm glad in the Old Testament he's a God of grace. And in the New Testament he's a God of grace. In the Old Testament he's a God of love. In the New Testament he's a God of love. In the no- Old Testament he is truth. In the New Testament he's truth. He's always the same and will never change. Hallelujah. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because he said it. I don't have to worry about my salvation. Isn't it good to know that salvation doesn't change? Hey, that it's not one way today and another day tomorrow and next year to be another way and a hundred years from now God's saying, I got a whole new plan of salvation. It's always uh, by grace through faith. Hallelujah. And so uh, he is unchangeable. In him is no variableness. He's just the same. That's the way he tells us to be. Here's the problem. We got this stinking flesh, yes, sir. right? Yes, sir. Ash, I, mean, I mean, the first 15, 15 verses, he's trying to tell us. He says in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Can I ask you this? Is there anybody in here, when you fall into divers' temptations, you go, "Woohoo!" Yeah. Right? Yes, another one's coming, hallelujah. Come on, right? Yeah. No. But, Shane, it's hard to have joy when we have temptations, when we have trials. Yes, sir. And automatically, some of you, just like me, will say, I can't do that. Well, listen, let me say this. What you're doing is you're selling yourself short because yes. he goes on to say this. Um, uh, let me see, where is it? Uh, he talks about faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave in Uh, of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. So he's telling us, he's building on this thing. He's saying, listen, you're going to face trials. You're going to face different types of trials. He's telling you, you can have joy, and you automatically we're saying, no, we cannot. Well, what we're saying is, God, your word isn't true. Because he's telling us we can. Well, he goes on to say this. Here's how you do it, faith. Right. Right? Trust God. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through, preacher. I know I don't, but He does. And He doesn't change. So, if He wrote it for, if He gave James the words to write in His day for that early church, what He's saying is, guess what? 2024, Currytown Baptist Church is no different for you today. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, therefore, He doesn't change. So, so he's laying out all these things telling us, listen, uh, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Well, I don't know about you. I don't, want, I don't want to endure temptation. I don't want to go through it at all. You're right. But the promise is there. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Amen. You say, well, I can't do it. That's why he gave us verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. You're right. Good. Don't, don't think you can't because he said you could. And so and so he's unchangeable, in him is no variableness. So God created every form of light we have, and they all declare his glory. This whole book's about the glory of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it is the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're here today, and so am I. Why? Because we're to be light in a dark world, and that light is for this one reason, and that is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he left you here for a reason. It wasn't to spitter and sputter through life until you get to heaven. Like some of us think, I just can't handle this thing. One day when we get to heaven, it'll be better. Well, you can have victory in Jesus even now. So he's telling us today that you and I are to be light in a dark world. Well, where's that light come from? It's not going to be because you try harder. I promise you this. It's going to be because God gives us light. How does he give us light? The word of God. And so how do we get more light? How do you brighten up your light bulb? You spend more time in the light. And so they, the, God bears witness of himself There's no variableness yes, He ain't asking my opinion you're right. yeah, good. Why? Because there's been times in my life Brother Eddie, I'd, I'll be honest with you There's been times in my life When I didn't think God was too good right. oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. In my flesh when I'm going through those temptations and trials It's hard for me to look up into heaven And say God you're still good But as I trust the word of God, he's telling us that he is good. And as I I learn more and mature in the things of God, then I see God's goodness does not change because of my circumstance. Well, so God does not change. So we got, folks, if you get nothing else tonight, get this. God doesn't change. This this world, listen. This world is changing every day, right? I mean, who knows what what a year from now, if Jesus doesn't come, man, we all might, who knows, we'll we'll be driving electric mopeds and who knows what we'll be doing. We may have America, we may not. We may be able to go to church, we may not. We may have another pandemic, we may not. But it doesn't matter, God's the same. Right? Everybody here is biting their fingernails down the quick and drinking Malox like his milk, right? Because the stomach's upset and tore up and God's in heaven. Listen, none of this is shaking him up. I saw day on the news, they're saying, you know what? Listen, we ought to be on red alert because all these people coming over the border. There's terrorists and all this, and now you know Russia's up in arms, and this is a big threat. And uh, we got Iraq and Iran, and we got China, and we got all, and we got uh, Ukraine. We got all this stuff going on. God's up in heaven, going just like I planned, right? Just like I planned, right? God's people sitting down, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? God said, just just like a plan. Right, you ever thought about that? Nothing has ever occurred to God. But I will to tell you what, if you can't trust that, what are you going to trust? That's right, amen. I'll have a thought. I'll read something in the Word of God, brother Jim. And go, huh. I bet nobody's ever seen that before. That just occurred to me. That's never happened to God. He's never had an aha moment. Hey, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You ever gone somewhere and you drive and you've been driving the same road and you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take this other route. And you're like, this for GPS. But you took that other road and you went, huh, that's a quicker way. You felt like Rand McNally, didn't you? You, th- you figure they'd be calling you to do some maps before long. Nothing's ever occurred to God. That's <laughs> Amen. Yes. I can see the angels, can't you? Can you believe that? Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> see, some of us act that way, don't we? Oh, I knew that's going to happen. Yep, I knew that's going to happen. No, you have a very limited amount of intellect and knowledge. God has all knowledge. There's nothing that's there. He's just the same. So this, this Bible, it brings divine light because it tells us of the nature of the gifts of God because it tells us of the nature of the giver who is God. And then verse 18, number two, verse 18 says this Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his, crea- of his creatures. So, in, in the word of God, what does it give us? Well, first of all, it tells us the will of God. Now, watch this God is sovereign. Don't let that word shake you up, by the way. And he acts for his own goals. In his own ways. All this is about God's will, God's plan. See, see, we're so self-absorbed. But Chad, we think all this is for for our plan, right? We we think we think God's there up in heaven, going, "Let me just figure out how I can make." Their life a lot easier for them because I just want them to be happy. No, God's plan. He, you and I are part of His plan. What, What? listen, you say, I don't know how in the world God could let Joe Biden win the election. It's part of His plan. I mean, look at the Old Testament. You go through the Old Testament, it's talking about, talking about those kings. Man, it's amazing. Did evil in the sight of God. Did evil in the sight of God. Did evil in the sight. Of God. Did right in the sight of God. Did evil in the sight of God. You are going. You would think at some point in time, the guy that did right, the next guy would go, he got it right, man. I think I'm going to do what he did. But no, right? And we're all these thousands of years later, we're going, I don't know why God would allow this to happen. I'll tell you why, because we deserve it. We deserve much worse, right? You say, not me, I'm a child of God. Well, go back in the Old Testament. You do realize that the Old Testament, the Israelites were God's people, and God gave them exactly what they asked for and exactly what they deserved. So don't pat yourself on your spiritual back saying, well, God never let that happen to me. He sure would. Read Romans chapter 1. So God has foreknowledge of everything but allows us to choose. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to mess you up right here. You ready for this? The morning you got saved, God knew you was going to do it. He sure did, but he allowed you, it allowed you to make a choice. See, that's, why, that's how you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God knows he has perfect foreknowledge, but he gives you a choice. But he knows the choice you're going to make. You say, well, I don't understand that, preacher. Aren't you glad? You'd be a raven lunatic if you could understand all that. God said, look, I know exactly what Shane Hatcher's going to do, but I'm going to give him the liberty to do it. He wants us to choose to follow him. Amen. And so God has foreknowledge of everything but allows us to choose. So it is God's will that none perish and all come to repentance. Well, that's what the Bible says. Yes, it, God's will that none should yes, perish. But, all, but does everybody come to repentance? No, sir. Does God know that? He sure does. Right. Did he know that people would reject Christ? Did he know the Israel? Yes, he did. Yes, right? So my point is. When we study the Word of God, we got to get out of our own head. That's right. You're right. But man, I don't. Did God know Adam and Eve was gonna was gonna sin? Yep. Now you can be honest here. I'll raise my hand. How many? How many of you read Genesis and you are going? If He knew they were gonna do this, why in the world did He even create them? I right. read. Anybody? Yes, sir. You're right. Somebody going? I don't have no clue what you' are talking about, preacher. <laughs> Read your Bible once in a while, right? I mean, if he knew that, why'd he create them? Right. Yes, sir. You say, well, the reason, you don't know. Neither do I. Come on, that's good. One day we we'll get to heaven, he might explain it to us, You're right? right? Yes, but I don't know. I mean, if it's me, I don't, well, if they're just going to do what I tell them not to, I'm just not even going to create them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Before you had kids, did you know they were going to disobey you? Good, yes, sir. Some of you arrogant parents are going, No. <laughs> well, you need a brain transplant. That's right. If you didn't know your kids were going to disobey you before you had them, your head's in the sand because yeah. you did it to your mom and daddy. And your mama put the curse on you and said, I hope you have children just like you so you should have known before you ever had them that it's going to be just like you. Yes, right. right. hey, Amen. Some of you getting it now. Well, if you knew they were going to disobey you, why would you have them? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so my point is, God does things for His purpose. And if you'll understand that, and you read the word of God, and you want to be a part of the plan and purpose of yes, God on the on the positive side. I don't want Him using me in the negative side. Right? Give an example. Well, you remember Samson. Do I remember him? Why was he Why was he born? God, he was born to kill Philistines. That' right, brother Foy. That's, that's what he's there for. That was his whole purpose. Then you look at his life. He messed up. Did dumb things, right? right. What happened at the end? Killed a bunch of Philistines. The problem was he killed more Philistines in his death than he did his life. Right. So God did God accomplish his will? Sure did. Could he have done it a different way if Samson would have obeyed him? That Samson might have killed more if he had just obeyed God. But God's going to get what he wants done. And it's not dependent on you. You can be part of the plan, but whether or not you're part of the plan, God's still going to get it done. Amen. Yeah. Hey, Samson did exactly what God wanted him to do. Killed a bunch of Philistines. He just didn't do it exactly the way that, was maybe the most productive for his life. He didn't have any eyeballs left. He died with them. So what I'm saying is, you can choose to let God use you for his will in the positive, or you can choose not to follow God, and God's going to get it done anyway. Well, I don't know about you. I'd just soon be in the right and in the wrong. I'll give you another example. So, so, can we agree that as a Christian, the whole reason where God leaves us after we're saved, right? We're, think about this, and I've said it: if, if if heaven was the only was the only goal of salvation, the moment you got saved, why wouldn't God just take you out of there, right? Because right? right. He wants you to live for Him. He wants right. you to be a witness for Him. He wants others. To know about Him through you. Now, how many? How many believe this? Now, I know. I know you, old timers, believe this. How many? How many believe the Bible teaches there's a sin unto death? You, listen, you study your Bible. God will chasing you, chasing you, chasing you. But at some point in time, if you don't turn from your sin, God will take you out. That's right. Well, how many, how many people has God done that, allowed an untimely death in their life, and more glory was brought to God in their death and funeral than ever was in their life? Did He accomplish His purpose with them being like? Sure did. So you better be, what I'm saying is, you don't have to question God, He knows what He's doing. He knows the will of God so it brings divine life but it shows us the will of God but then I want you to see the word of God so, so in this scripture the bible said of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that he should be a kind of first or we should be a first kind of first fruit of his creature well how does god bring the redemptive work of Calvary to our hearts faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God, right? Now you say, well, the, reason, the way I got saved is I was at a music concert and they sang this song, God Touched My Heart. Well, one of two things, either there was some word of God in that song or somewhere down the line you've heard the word of God and God spoke to your heart and used that word of God to implant the fact that you need to be saved and there's a Savior that'd save you. Amen. So the process of bringing the redemptive work of Calvary to our hearts is the Word of God. That's what this whole thing's about. God's love for you, right? As, as we're celebrating, uh, you know, Valentine's Day and love and all this stuff. Listen, Calvary is, is the perfect picture and example of God's love for you. Well, how did you know about Calvary? You weren't there, were you? Is anybody there? No? Well, how do you know about it? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote it down for you. Somebody, God, God spoke to them and told them to pin it down so that 2,000 years later you and I would know about Calvary. Amen. Yeah, Amen. So, so the Word of God is the Holy Spirit's instrument to bring us under conviction of sin and open our eyes. You, don't even, you wouldn't know what sin was if it wasn't for the Word of God. Right? Right? Well, how in the Old Testament did they know what sin was? God wrote it down for them. How do we know today? Well, I feel like it is. Well, let me ask you this. What happens when you don't feel like it is? Because there has to be an element of people out there now that feels like things are not sin or this world wouldn't be as wicked as it is. Now, their conscience may be seared, right? That's what we know it is but they don't feel like it's sin. If they did, they wouldn't do it. Many of them. Well, who's to determine what sin is? If you and I get to determine what sin is, guess what? We're going to pick and choose the things we don't do. If I asked you you tonight, I almost guarantee it. In your mind, first thing pops in your head when I say, name a sin. Right? You've, you've got a picture. Probably it's adultery, fornication, it's lying, stealing. Right? Probably very few people said bitterness. Probably very few people thought of envy. Very few people thought of, of uh, unthankfulness. Right? Right? What's your point? Well, my point is, all those are sin. Yes, sir. So if we if we were left up to our own device to determine what sin is, we'd pick the thing. I'm guessing nobody's in here is committing adultery. Come on. Reach on. Maybe some of you are. You didn't, I didn't hear a lot of amen on that one. I'm guessing that a lot of folks in here are not committing fornication. Right. I'm guessing, I'm hoping a lot of people ain't lying and stealing. Right? right? But if I said, what about bitterness, we'd be like, You're right. Go. That's good. Right? Amen. You're right? So we'll pick the things we're not doing. That's right. go ahead. So how do we know the things that we are doing are sin? Because God has to tell us in his word that they are. Yes, sir. Amen. So anything in that book right there that God tells us to do and we don't do it, it's sin. To him that knoweth do good, doeth it not. To him it is sin. Well, let me ask you this. Well, the Bible says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Well, he tells us we're to have joy when we fall into divers temptations. Did you do it? Well, I, I, just, I just can't, preacher. Then you sinned. Now, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get down on you here. I'm just saying you, if God would, not in our flesh and you go through trials and I know some of them are awful and you saying there's no way I can have joy. I can't do it. I can't muster it up. I can't think that way. You would never consider that to be sin, correct? Right. Well, God tells us in his word. Count it all joy. Well, he doesn't say it's sin. Well, what is it then? When he tells us to do it and you don't do it, that's what sin is. So now you look at me like, "Preach! You getting, getting away out there, buddy? This is the independent Baptist church. You supposed to hit these hot buttons and preach on this stuff." So how do we, how do how, how do we know what this divine light is? God brings it through the Word of God. Then it also reveals the wisdom of God. Notice in verse 18, the Bible said that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Well, we're the first specimen of his new creation. The church is to be the first fruit testament of God's redeeming power, right? We're we're to be the example. We're to be the poster child, if you want to call it that, right? God... Even 2,000 years later, you and I are supposed to be the, 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 the specimen that God's saying, look at that vessel, right? I made that vessel. That vessel is, is a product of my, my divine love. So that's what we're to be. So our divine purpose is to show the redemptive power of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Don't say this. We're not here to change the world politically. Right. We're just not. Right. Let me say this. Think you ought to vote, sure. right? right? Think you ought to stand up for what's right. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I think that's what, y- what y'all do. Yes, People say, well, church ought not be political. Well, you don't know your Bible, right. Right? right? Old Testament. Prophet went right up to David, said, Thou art the man. Right? right? John the Baptist got his head lopped off. Why? Stand up to the man. Paul, he's dead. Why? Same thing. See it? What we got to do is we're to represent Christ. I had lunch with a guy today. We were talking about that thing He's talking about. Well, the Democrats and the Democrats, and I said, "Stop!" I said, "Ain't all the Democrats, man?" I said, "Some's got the R and the and the and the elephant are no different than the donkeys. Most of them are donkeys." Where we got changes, we we got the the greatest thing we'll ever do for this country. Listen to me is tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what's going to change this country. The greatest thing we'll do is, is, is stay close to God and let revival break out. Let me say, I'm going to tell you right now, people say, this the most important lecture of our lifetime. That's what they say every year. I don't believe it is. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this, Brother Brad, unless America turns to God, we're done. We're done. He's the only hope we got. He left us here in these last days for such a time as this to represent him in an awfully dark world. And the only way you're going to do that, the only only way, listen to me, and I'll be done. The only way you and I are going to have the strength and endurance to do that is to spend time in his word. And in prayer, that's it. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever have a national revival. I do know this: I can have one. I know our church can have one, right? And other people can see it. That's that's. Listen, if that were to happen, you know what? I'd say success. If people are turned to Christ because of this church and me and you, Praise I'd say, I, whoever won the White House wouldn't mean wouldn't mean a thing. Right. But we gotta we gotta understand what God He gave us a gift. Yes, he so here it is, cherish it. I got I got some things that people have given me, brother Barry. Monetary value, probably not worth a whole lot. But I wouldn't give you, if you gave me a million dollars, I wouldn't take it for some right. of them. Amen. Right? That's how, our, that's how our Bible ought to yes, be. Sir. Sure. It ought to be valuable to Amen. us. Right? Amen. Where's your Bible? I don't know. I can't find it. <laughs> well Ladies, let me ask you this. Most likely, when you got engaged, your husband gave you some form of an engagement ring. may not have been a big diamond. He might have done the best he could with what he had then. It wasn't a big one, but it's valuable to you, right? If that thing fell down the drain, you'd rip every pipe in the house apart to get to it, wouldn't you? Because it's valuable. This ought to be more valuable. God's love letter to us that reveals who he is. The gift of God's word. Let's come pray tonight around the altar. If you're able to, if you're not, you pray at your seat.